0: Welcome back, friends, to Beyond the Sectors, your bi-monthly podcast talking all about the beyond world of author Dua Kit Rocha. My name is Chelsea. And I'm Anna. And we are here today, finally, uh, uh, four episodes in to talk about my favorite book, maybe in the whole world, but definitely in the series. Uh, we're here today to talk about Beyond Jealousy. Do we want to talk a little bit about the short that comes between Beyond Pain yeah, and Beyond I
1: Jealousy? We, I mean. Just a little bit. I don't think it's a very deep book, so we can just... Okay, so Beyond Temptation, and it's the story of Emma and uh, Noah Lennox. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's a brother's best friend's little sister forbidden romance between a hacker and uh, a tattoo artist who belongs to the Uh, Okanes. They are both originally from Sector 5, and uh, it, it was appeared in a... A short story anthology uh, called Marked with some books by Lauren Dane and Vivian Aaron also sort of post-apocalyptic stuff. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, Which is partly why we wanted to talk about it because you read it in that collection or when it came out in that collection. And I, because I purchased these as like the huge bundle, I basically just read them all as like one huge, like, Mm -hmm. so the, the context of that publishing and the way that that story had to work both for that anthology and in the world of the Okanes is a little bit of like context I didn't have when I was doing my reading so how do you think
1: I think that
0: kind of worked
1: well I think when I first got into it it was a good sort of primer to what's happening in the Okane world Uh, Noah is connected to the create the people who built Eden so there's a I have a whole paragraph that's super long that's all about Eden's history, how it was built, who built it for. So it's setting up sort of world-building stuff. Um, and I think it's supposed to attract readers from outside who are interested in this post-apocalyptic kind of genre. Um, mm-hmm. The other books in the in that um, collection, like Lauren Daines, is also um, a uh, MFM, Uh, romance so I think it was sort of thematically sort of having that sort of like post-apocalyptic worlds have other different uh, definitions about love that are more open Mm -hmm. than maybe what were traditionally accepted so I think it fit with that so it was sort of trying to draw some other audiences in Um, but I think that's why it also feels a little isolated it is very much Mm -hmm. just Emma and Noah we get a a hint of Lex and Dallas in there and actually they feel like they screw up in how they yeah. they act in this book um, but it's really sort of like setting up like if you didn't pick up Beyond Shame you didn't pick up uh, uh, Beyond Pain you could pick up this one and maybe pick up Beyond Jealousy afterwards
0: mm-hmm. for sure and I do think it's interesting because this is a very world building heavy like novella and yeah. we get the information gets not like repeated like it's not like if you didn't read this novella that you would be missing out on that chunk like that information still gets parsed out but the way that it gets delivered in this book is that it's most like powerful form and so it would be hard to imagine going into beyond jealousy without the the information that's in beyond temptation even from just like a plot based like world building
1: right i mean like level some of the big Things that happen near the end of the book, uh, *Beyond Jealousy*, rely heavily on the information that is j- dropped in *Beyond Temptation*. Yeah, um, you wouldn't really like if you just skipped over this, and you're like, "Where? Why is Lennox so trusted? Why? Mm-hmm. Uh, why are they following him into random tunnels?" Uh, all that comes from *Beyond Temptation*.
0: Yeah, which is just very interesting because I think this is the first kind of time that we've seen. Like all of the books are um somewhat standalone at least the first couple uh two or three I would say are mm-hmm. but I think this is the point at which you really kind of that coin flips a little bit and each book becomes so interdependent not just on the last novel but like on the whole collection
1: mm-hmm.
0: this is I think the point where, where you really have to
1: are you in or are you you out? can't really
0: do that anymore yeah. yeah like from this point you're either going to read all the books in order as they come or you're going to not like this isn't the where the jumping on point kind of (laughs) stops a little bit i think um which you know i think is fine is interesting i think when you're going for a very long series you're going to hit that point eventually yeah i just think it's interesting that they hit this point more with the novella than they did with one of the bigger actual like book main mass-held books in the series
1: yeah so like talking about beyond temptation i honestly i think the romance is sort of weak um I, because I think we jump into it and then we back out of it and then mm-hmm. go back into it. Um, I, you know, I, I'm never a fan of the hero who, who wants to make decisions for the heroine and, yeah. and he comes in and has an arc where he basically has to realize he needs to stop doing that. She's a grown up, and, um, he, he has a little bit of that, um, virgin whore syndrome happening for him. You know? Mm-hmm. He, um, that he needs to get over. So I'm not a huge fan of Noah. I, uh, but I'm a big fan of Emma. I really enjoy her. And I, mm-hmm. and then seeing her here really makes her scenes with Ace so yeah. consistent and beyond jealousy. Mm-hmm.
0: They really do add that, that next. Cause I love the two of them just as like a mentor mentee mm-hmm. kind of ACE is that uh, new big brother to her kind of like dynamic, but That really gets expanded and deepened a layer in Beyond Jealousy if you got to watch or learn more about Emma in Beyond Temptation. I don't love Noah. I come from that place of like, I can understand, like, he's coming with good intentions, but so is the road to hell. Like, you know, I mean, like, he's doing that thing that lots of people, usually guys, not just all, will do, Mm -hmm. where because they are trying to be protective or trying to be a guardian, they become... Really possessive and overbearing and and he can be nice about it. He's he's, not mean to her. He's not a jerk. He's got good reasons, but he's still Emma is not an adult anymore. She's she's a a woman. She's a grown ass person who's had to take care of herself for a long time. He has lost the ability to come in and just kind of
1: And like I mean, I understand he was put in such a terrible position. He doesn't Mm want to be the one to tell her that how lost her brother had been. And he thinks he's protecting this image of her brother and the fact is emma already knew her, he was lost they didn't yeah. know exactly how lost but knew but had
0: a pretty good idea yeah that something was obviously not right yeah. with her brother anymore so
1: in a sense it left her sort of almost gaslighted you know she mm-hmm. she's like uh, yeah hello He's, he wasn't perfect and um so yeah there was a lot of that that he, and he had a, a whole idea of who she was going to be and what world he had picked for I mean like he paid for her to get married with somebody up in the mountains Mm -hmm. and it took a lot for him to sort of let go of that and accept this is who she is who she's chosen to be and at the same time being like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) yeah well and
0: you know and luckily or at least for for Emma there's no better place to do that than at the O'Kane's and I I like that there's we don't frequently get to see some of uh dallas's more teddy bear sides come out i mean i don't know if he's ever really a full teddy bear <laughs> but he has his sometimes more cuddly moments and i think that for whatever reason or for lots of reasons emma kind of brings some of those out of him a little more we get to see more moments of him at least as a character being kind of tender with her both here and in beyond jealousy and i just like that i mm-hmm. think that it's i as a, as a piece on its own i don't love it but as a feed into beyond jealousy I really appreciate and like what it does for some of the scenes in that book
1: yeah absolutely
0: so let's go ahead and talk about that book (laughs) Do you want to go ahead and do a quick plot sum for Beyond Jealousy?
1: So uh, Beyond Jealousy is the story of Rachel, Ace, and Cruz. They've been circling each other through the first three books in the series. Um, Ace and Rachel have had this long flirtation, not going anywhere, but they're both interested. So Ace playing it like he's going to move on it eventually but really not and then into their lives comes Cruz and first Rachel and Cruz are together but Rachel's conflicted feelings over Ace break them apart and then it's Cruz and Ace uh, Mm -hmm. going around town together and falling in love but never acknowledging it and then finally there's this catalyst of putting them all three together but it's it's a, a triangle turning into a triad and they're all sort of trying to feel where they belong and Mm -hmm. the ups and downs of that also while dealing with the whole who's been bootlegging, uh, Mm -hmm. okay. liquor storyline.
0: Yeah. Things really take off in this book, both in terms of like relationship dynamics and like kind of complicating that. And then also the bigger picture, like plot stuff like has taken some steps, but really like jumps off from here to the end of the series. Things just go like a rocket in terms of the background plot.
1: Well, and I was just struck last night of how many characters that I'm like, bam, bam, bam. Like, these are going to be pivotal characters moving forward that get introduced here.
0: Yep, that one little chapter scene that we get with Nessa and then just reading that whole thing with that other, mm-hmm. like, context mm-hmm. in mind. And like you said, it's just so many from so early on those seeds are planted so that when they come up it doesn't feel new or shocking or it's like you had the rut jerked out from under you yeah this is a book and i think the reason i like this book so much is because this is a book about worthiness and belonging and about dealing with accepting those feelings both towards oneself and that also you have towards other people every character in this book struggles both with kind of like feeling worthy in their own mind and then accepting the acknowledged worthiness of other people
1: mm-hmm.
0: which is just like oh it's such a catnip for me that all those emotional conversations are such a catnip for me yeah.
1: yeah no I mean it's beautiful because I mean we've been seeing Ace develop we've been seeing the difference between his public face and his secret hurts um you have him see conversations with Jared who knows him uh, Gia, who knows him from before, people who see behind the facade, know the hurt little boy behind all that. And then, I mean, he has so self-deprecating all the time. And then you see his own personal point of view where he sees himself as party crashing, other people's love stories. Yeah. And even in this story where Rachel and Cruz see him as an integral part of their relationship, he sees himself as outside of that. Uh, Mm -hmm. and always trying to avoid that conversation because he has anticipated that it's going to crash and fail. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so I I really connect to that sort of like mm -hmm. I'm going to self-protect, but I'm also I'm protecting other people. And it's like,
0: Mm -hmm. and that's and that's what really struck me on reading this time is that that from the get go, Ace is just sabotaging him. Like we see how badly this is going to go on page one because they've had that maybe not page one, page 15 (laughs) or whatever it is when they're having their conversation about finally. Yeah. Kind of just f- f- doing it, trying the thing where all three of them are together and they, you know, Rachel is in. And granted, you know, we're in Ace's head, but Rachel seems in, Cruz seems in, and Ace says, Sure, I'm in. But even as he says that, he's thinking, Until you guys don't need me anymore. Right. And then I'll bow out and you guys can be happy together, just like it's always going to be. Like and even as he's making that first declaration, he's already half backed out. And well, and, the, work and that, like that pays you off
1: with the whole situation where Cruz got him to do the, like, to take this chance by sort of saying, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, I'll take care of her, and not realizing how that would hook Ace in the way it does,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and this is what Ace needed to hear, to sort of take the chance, but it also sort of put that in his, like, yeah, that's right, it's going to be really you two in the end
0: Mm -hmm. and it's because cruz says i'll take care of her cruz doesn't say i'll take care of like you guys like i'll take care of the both of you or i'll take care of you if you need it yeah i mean
1: that's such a great arc of having cruz realize he hasn't told ace how much he loves him Mm -hmm. um and that he needed to verbalize it to say it to ace um he's he's trying to show him Because he's an action. He's a big damn hero kind of person. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's funny because Ace sees him as the word guy, right? He's the one who always has the nice words for Rachel. And Cruz doesn't see that. Ace needs those nice words, too.
0: Yeah. And this is, and I think it's so, um, it's really beautiful to watch that kind of realization that both Ace and Cruz at first were using Rachel as Not a full excuse because they both love and care very deeply for Rachel, but also as that uh, capacitor for allowing them to interact. Mm -hmm. And they, they couldn't get over the hump of needing in their minds her to be there to kind of make it okay. That the two of them and the love that just the two of them have for each other is just as important a leg of the triad as all of the ways that they love Rachel. And that's there's so much in there about. The ways that we express love to people, the way that people need love expressed, the way that we expect love and affection to be between male and female presenting people and male, male presenting mm-hmm. people. And there's just like so many layers that get wrapped up in that. And then to have to peel them all back while balancing this third part, like this is the book that really like for Kat Roka made me go like. Holy shit! That's a lot of plates in the air. Like yeah, that's a lot absolutely. of things to all keep balanced and going at the same time. Well,
1: and I know I've heard them talk about that. One of their frustrations is how many readers want Rachel out of the triad.
0: Yeah, they just want it to be Ace and Cruz, and I just and they and do, like that doesn't that's work. Not, that
1: doesn't work because Rachel is as important to Ace and Cruz as Cruz and Ace are to each other, and. Mm-hmm it's it, it's hard to fathom that that's where people want to go. But I guess, you know, there's a lot of women who want don't want to read about other women. And yeah,
0: there's a lot of fetishizing that goes on within that like queer, I mean, queer spaces in general, but queer romance and queer media spaces yeah, like and specifically,
1: yeah, I know. and I mean, and so, like, I really respected what they did to say, they have let's value all these pieces because sometimes you also see the male male uh, the mfms that men don't touch each other you yeah, know and i don't
0: i'm not particularly here for that either there's a different I know. kind and, and of and
1: it's funny like as, as a reader i had to find myself of like why is this one this triad menage story mm-hmm. work for me and this one doesn't and it was because too many of them were like we're just here for the girl and like fine if that's mm-hmm. what you want to read but I want everybody in the, the relationship to be in the relationship and to value, meet to each other. So that's where, like, I read Lauren Dane and that's where it, mm-hmm. um, this happens here, too. Like, you feel like yeah. this unit makes sense as a unit.
0: This is actually the book that, side anecdote, taught me mm-hmm. that the order of the letters matters. Oh, uh, yes. Because that's because I was trying to figure out that same question of, like, why, what is the thing? And then I finally, someone very kindly, like, popped into my DMs on Twitter and was like, hey, There's a difference between MMF and MFM, like the order of the letters indicate. So like if you also didn't know that there's a fun little learning moment for you. The letters of between the slashes indicate who is going to be doing the touching, basically, Mm -hmm. which groups of people are going to touch. So that's your clue. (laughs)
1: And in this one, everybody touches everyone.
0: (laughs) And then this one, everybody's touching everyone all the time. Yes. And I think that's another thing that I like so much about this book or that's so fun about the O'Kane family is because we get to meet so many of them and we get to see our central characters interacting in so many different little like pockets Mm -hmm. of people. It's just always so funny to me how many other people have always kind of got it figured out. Like how many people tell Cruz and tell Ace and tell Rachel the thing that they're doing and how it's going to get like watching it happen. And it's just there's something about that like third person outside predicting perspective that's oh, just so familial to me that I really like to oh
1: watch. I love like Jenny you know she's telling Cruz of like steer clear these that's gonna be a toxic mess <laughs> you're gonna be caught mm-hmm. in the middle and blow up and then she's and then t- is like
0: cool I'm in, I'm,
1: in <laughs> Let's go. I'm gonna set that up hey right. I didn't think of that let me go there and
0: as opposed to like Emma who is <laughs> just like Patting Ace on the shoulder, but also like, Well, of course, dude. Like, yes, of course, this is happening. We and all then could have told you this is happening. And also, happen. when she
1: sees him exploding, like, she's like, yeah. What have you done? You know, she just knows from the way that he's going to self sabotage and, and calls him on what he's going to go do. Mm-hmm. And it's heartbreaking to me that he's in that room looking for that picture of the dragon he drew while his mother was dying. And then he makes the connection to. Having drawn dragons on Cruz Cruz and how much he wants Cruz to be his protector, and that and that's exactly what pushes him to push everybody away, and you're just like, ah oh.
0: yeah, and I think that's what's so what's so good for me about rereading this book is because the 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 reason ace kind of freaks out and pushes everybody away isn't like. There's not like an inciting incident. Like, it's not like something happens. He literally just wakes up after a night with both of them together and, like, freaks out. Well, he's freaking himself out and he's he's tripping out.
1: Because he belongs there. And yeah. he talks about how he always leaves unobtrusively from other places, lets people sort of cuddle and take each other down. That, that aftercare occurs yeah. with him outside of it. And he's had a couple times where he's included in it that he mm-hmm. and i think he's feeling too comfortable he's feeling like i can't keep getting attached to this because i yeah. won't be able to walk away i won't be able to mm-hmm. appreciate them from far away like he won't be able to stay okay if he stays yeah. any longer
0: yeah and oh that moment like i like ace Alexander santana like has always been my favorite character for many reasons this book primarily being one of them like you're saying Anna, with that just whole uh, with the struggle. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what we'll call it. The emotional struggle of that acceptance and that appreciation and that just always being half out as a protective measure and not realizing how much difficult that And makes how much sense.
1: hurt he is causing in his yeah. protection.
0: Yeah. Because when he goes in there to have the scene where he... So basically, like Anna said in the plot summary, they try each of them as couples. And then they kind of basically just all have a talk and finally decide that they're going to stop... Messing around and they're just going to try the thing.
1: And then there's a fight. going to get uh, drawn and away. Then <laughs> and then
0: there's a fist fight. And then there's a fist fight. And then there's lots of having sex. Mm-hmm. And then basically because he's tripping himself out, Ace just walks in there and he blows the thing up like dynamite. And that scene is one of the most painful scenes to read in this entire... I mean, it, I think it is the most painful scene in this entire book because... Nobody knows why he's doing it. I don't even think Ace knows in a way that he could articulate why he's really doing it. And Rachel and Cruz are just left so stunned and so hurt. They're blindsided. The they They're say really Ace, blindsided
1: because yeah. Rachel thought we're all in. And, mm-hmm. and so she's trying to like, what have we done? You know, she's trying to figure yeah. out what has gone wrong. And there's nothing that has gone wrong.
0: And Cruz knows because Cruz knows i think a little bit more of the parts of ace that he keeps mm-hmm. pulled back so cruz knows just by looking that he's he's bugging out mm-hmm. and that what he he's doing it he is not what he wants but he's being irrational not that cruz can stop it yeah. um and well then the, it, bra- the way
1: i think he could have tried and i think that's where he really that's fair uh regrets because you have a lot of things he doesn't say. There's a lot of lines in that. That's where it was interesting. I read the NW Jealousy rather than listen to it last night. And you see that in italics, thoughts versus what he's verbalizing. And he doesn't mm-hmm. verbalize just the things that... A- I don't think Ace actually would have stopped then. But yeah, I think...
0: But an effort could have been made. It could have
1: been made. And I think that's where... Cruz is sort of trying to be in control, trying it, 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 All the things that Ace admires in him are actually what's keeping Ace, uh, keeping Cruz from verbalizing some things to Ace that he needs to hear them.
0: Yeah. And that's, I think, because that's the lesson that Rachel and Cruz both need to learn is that they, they talk to Ace a decent amount. But, but Ace has heard so many words and has t- said so many things himself that words have started to well,
1: and that's a- not
0: be the language that Ace actually speaks in. Right.
1: I mean, and, and we have that with Rachel and Ace from the beginning. We're like, mm-hmm. words mean something until you decide they don't mean something.
0: Yep. God, that's such a good line that Rachel says.
1: And, and she, she says it to him when she's bugging out on the chair that one time. Then mm-hmm. again, after I me, mean, she tells him she loves him in the middle of sex. So of course Ace like grabs onto it. He's gonna treasure that, but also it's in the middle of sex, so it doesn't count. Yeah, it doesn't count. And so then she intentionally tells him again. And he still doesn't want to hear that. He's still yeah. he's still so No, I can't I can't open myself up to that. Mm. And I mean that that So yeah. Yep
0: yeah. yeah. and it's just so so to watch, to see that and the way that Both of those lessons have to be learned, both the giving and the accepting. Mm -hmm. I just think the way that it culminates is so beautiful. And I just think that the fact that they have a getting back together talk and a getting back together scene. But really, it's it's not it was not as fraught for me on this reading as I think it's been in the past. And I think it's because even as they all go into this moment, this big battle moment that we're going to talk about with Mm -hmm. like the actual politics Mm -hmm. in Eden that there's a a knowledge there or a, a what am I trying to say? That there's almost like a, that there's a confidence on everybody's part that this is just that, somehow another another break that will be fixed. They just don't know how. Like that's the frustration. Right, is, is right. They just don't know how to fix it.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think it's interesting um, when all things are said and done and Ace comes back it's a big thing that he's the one who comes back. He mm-hmm. sends them away, and then he's the one who has to get up from his bed and actually go back to them. Mm-hmm. That is going to be important for their building forward. Um, because that, that, I mean, I think that's just what Ace hasn't done. Mm-hmm. And that he needed to do, like he was saying, basically, I am here to listen and be mm-hmm. part of this. I am choosing this in a way that he's not being chased or... or or you know it's just he's, yeah. he's coming for he's real. no he
0: is no longer trying to manipulate the situation without anybody knowing by his own kind of caretaking quote-unquote actions which is kind of what he's been trying to do is stay involved but maneuver himself and the two of them into a position that when he left the two of them right. would he, still he, be he still fine thinks
1: his mission in their relationship is to help the city people drop their um inhibitions and be as dirty as they want to be he thinks he i mean and he's been that catalyst and that teacher in so many other relationships you can see why he wants to keep that comfortable role but that's Mm -hmm. not what he's there for with rachel and cruz and rachel and cruz have to share say no we have our own imaginations thank you and um we want to know what gets you off and what makes Mm -hmm. you happy and we want to know you um Mm -hmm. So that means actually answering questions without deflecting, um, which... And
0: ooh, that's hard for people like us who mm-hmm. use humor as our defense mechanism. Ooh, is that tough? And so you watch A's, it's so hard for him to do that. Yeah. And it's 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 something he'll continue to to do and kind of wrestle with that balance in the background of the books, like, to come. I think this is the point at which we start to see a little bit more sincere ace and a little bit more of the the that other side that's not just always so
1: and you have that scene and, yeah, and, 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 and you have that scene where he walks in to Ra- rachel sort of like surrounded by the girls um after she's been attacked um and there's the baby and he knows he's there so sort of like calm rachel down and bring her down and he has this one where he picks up the baby and everybody's like "Ace adorable Santana" and I think mm-hmm. of that line because he thinks of himself so as unlovable, as not worthy yeah. of love and but he can joke that he's "Ace, adorable Santana. You know, it's like yeah. Wow. And it so there's that moment where Rachel's holding the baby's uh, being fingers being held in the baby Hannah's mm-hmm. fist and he has the baby on, and it's such a beautiful foreshadowing of where things are mm-hmm. going to go for them. Um, before there's going to there's going to be all sorts of crap that happens in this book to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's I think that's a little promise of this is where he's at. He's living a half life because he's protecting himself, but he's going to have that life.
0: Yeah, and I think it's really that that scene is really important. That the scenes in which we get to watch. Right before they fight, Cruz and Ace getting to talk. I think that's one of their most vulnerable moments with each other, that doesn't involve them being naked in a shower. <laughs> <laughs> which I really like that scene. No, no shade. That's mm-hmm. a very appreciated scene. Mm-hmm. But I just this is the first book in which we actually see like a triad or a throuple. Every book we've seen before mm-hmm. this has been like committed couples sharing their monogamy, basically, yeah. or like being willing to to intermix together, but still at the end of the night separating into like discrete mm-hmm. groups of mm-hmm. two whereas this is the first relationship that's really d- does not do that at the end of the night they disperse into their group of three and later on we'll get a quad this is our first triad but so i think that
1: and i think wa- i mean i, I really love that, that, that it's not all sex because
0: mm-hmm.
1: a lot they have to have these conversations and it's not easy because because you have i mean they they make the mistake of talking for each other Often, mm-hmm. and they need to. That's part of the stuff that they, they have to disassemble as a as a triad is sort of like having these side conversations where they're taking care of the other without actually like let's have the conversation as the three of us. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, and yeah, and, and that's always that's it's one of the things I really appreciate and enjoy in like polyam romance mm-hmm. is that the fact that those issues of communication. And shared communication and boundaries become so much more important and so much more um, necessary to kind of discuss and explain. And I think this book does a really good job of showing both how beautifully that can work when everybody is on the same page. We see that in that last scene Mm -hmm. where they're all finally just really being honest and open with all three of them together. And then how badly it can go when you're not doing that and you're not actually communicating with every person in your relationship, basically. Oh, it's a lot. And then there's the politics. We haven't even talked about the politics stuff <laughs> Well, it is interesting, book, and there's Through a lot Cruise, of it.
1: We get to do, get a lot of the politics, right? Because we get yeah. to build on the, the hints from Beyond Temptation to talk about the base and yes. his tragic backstory being uh, raised in a basically military compound to be a soldier from birth and knowing that his mother is there, but is devoted to the cause so of the base. So right? So we get to see, okay, like, there's Eden, and then now there's this base that maybe supplies and controls Eden. So that, I think mm. that raises all the stakes. So it's not just these, yeah. like, hypocritical religious politicians inside their glass tower. Uh, but there's going to be some badass uh, armed scary folk, which we've gotten a little bit of hints of. You know, we know Brand was special forces and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But now it's sort of like, oh, hello, yeah the base is going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. And we got our introduction to uh, uh, Holtra, The that we we mm-hmm.
0: have. Ashwin and Cora, <laughs> we get to meet both of them. Well, I guess we kind of, we meet Cora, and that Cora, we hear her name, Cora Cora and Bellamy she's described and to it, us, Cora Bellamy. And, and
1: she's she, she is like, what she does is heal, you know? And it's completely consistent to what she's going to be in the Gideon writers' books. Uh, mm-hmm. But we don't know exactly all of that, what that means. We do know that there's some scary ass genetic engineering that has occurred to create uh, these cold, highly functioning soldiers that now Cruz owns a favor to.
0: yeah, I think this is that because before, like you said, beforehand, we've had Eden, which is this almost very like, you know, to borrow from another series, I was, it was very much like the capital from Hunger Games. Yes. I was just pictured it very much so full of like, you know, people who just want to live kind of their lives in this elevated, secluded place. But then we get now that behind that there is this very, very frightening uh, scientifically, technologically and weaponry equipped like other group who is probably actually the one who's like pulling the majority of the strings and probably actually in charge of most of what's happening and they're not fucking around. Yeah. Like they're not just here to like you said sit in piety and lord themselves over other people. They're here to cause actual damage mm-hmm. and that And I mean and, and there's terrifying. a reference
1: to how they've gone and messed up with other cities, which again is another mm-hmm. uh, we don't have a lot of references before to what's outside of Eden and the sectors and this in this book we get our first sense that yeah, there's places beyond beyond mm-hmm. <laughs> and beyond mm-hmm. the farm and so it, i think it really in some ways it expands the world and also places it in a, a mm-hmm. larger uh, tableau uh, yeah
0: yeah in terms of world building yeah we've actually we finally left just sector building and city building and compound building and now we are getting hints that which I'm so excited because rumor has it that their Silver Library, their Mercenary Librarian series takes place in the same I can, like universe like, timeline.
1: I've I read it and it does. But I will say you can read Silver Devils and Mercenary Librarians without ever reading the Beyond books. Yep. But if you did, you're going to be like, ah, when I get to yeah. it. Yeah.
0: Which you guys know me. I've already mentioned I love that feeling. I love those <laughs> little Easter egg things that like pop up. So it's it's. Fun to, In this book, start to really kind of mentally almost draw the map or like the yes. outline of like what this bigger. And we get more and more of that as the stories go on, and we have to kind of push further boundaries. But this is the one where we finally start to—is it in this one or Beyond Temptation that we actually find out why Eden survived?
1: Right, in, the that's in surge. Beyond Temptation because we find okay. out. We, See, that's
0: I read them so close together that I'm like, no, it's in Beyond Temptation because stuff.
1: we we had already heard previously that they hadn't been online right Mm -hmm. and then in beyond temptation we find out that you know there was a coup where the city's Mm -hmm. taken over and there's the city was not complete so there's all these things that are uh sort of left hanging that are entrances in and out of the city but that's why it wasn't part of the grid so it didn't just fry with all of Mm -hmm. the players the
0: rest of the world it wasn't online at the time Mm uh so yeah
1: sort of like a stolen paradise uh, on top Mm -hmm. of it being what it is so
0: which comes into play in this book because those that's that infrastructure that was unfinished and then kind of got uh intentionally erased Mm -hmm. from the records about existing those are that's something that noah's father did and so noah has this kind of like secret inside info on how to navigate Eden that becomes very very important to them in this book as they're trying to figure out this bootlegging operation and who is doing it and what the like politics are we learn in this book that it's not that Dallas is being double-crossed by a double-crosser and that like the person he's partnered with maybe or maybe isn't actually betraying him but also there's this other fifth sector big power that we're meeting who is definitely trying to, like, stir some shit up.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, there's so many layers of, of figuring out who's the actual threat, and we have mm-hmm. uh, a lot more with Liam Riley, who is Rachel's dad. He is uh, mm-hmm. Dallas's partner in the city, um, and that plays into Rachel trying to, her insecurities of not feeling like she deserved to be an O'Kane, but was sort of mm-hmm. forced to be an O'Kane because yeah.
0: given Right, to it's the a O'Kains. business
1: partnership kind of thing, and her insecurity about that, I think, is easier to dismantle because she's been around long enough to know that mm-hmm. she has value for herself. But she has to then, in this book, sort of stand up to Daddy, uh, who who rejects the idea of her being in a triad, who uh, goes and threatens uh, Ace, uh, basically gives him the, like, you better not hurt my daughter speech, and doesn't give it to Cruz because she, he... He doesn't think he's going to last
0: because Cruz is a quote good old like Cruz is that good old like soldier boy who wouldn't possibly which I think is interesting because I've heard the authors talk before and I've also noticed this on rereadings before too is like it puts the dichotomy of like sex versus violence at this weird kind of intersection because like Ace was a sex worker in Eden. So he gets the talking to because that's not okay. Cruz was a murderer in Eden or a soldier mm-hmm. or what have you. Mm-hmm. But that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. That doesn't deserve a talking to. We're cool with that. So just like those subtle ways of revealing like, the priorities of culture mm-hmm. in Eden. Mm-hmm. This is just like, yeah, like, plus I just hate Rachel's dad when he goes on to talk to Ace because it's just,
1: <laughs> uh, but yeah, but it, it sort of does talk about like what are the accepted and, and, and really sort of places him on where, like I, I think he can see Cruz as being somebody he could, Bring into his gang uh, mm-hmm. uh, in the way that he just doesn't know what to do with Ace. And yeah. partly it's, yeah, he's consorting with the rich people versus the poor people element, but it's very much, mm-hmm. you're a sex worker and I don't, I reject that for my daughter.
0: Yeah, I can't, yeah, it's literally, it's, you very much look at that vibe of like Cruz could come to the dinner table and, you know, we could have respectable mm-hmm. dinner table conversation if he was my quote, like son in law or what have you. And that just couldn't. Like Liam Riley couldn't bring Ace to his table because Ace has that sordid reputation, which we learn is also kind of just a clever marketing tool slash like handy. Yeah, no, that thing was really that Ace interesting has too. Up. Like
1: he actually has a lot more conflicting feelings about basically the frauds he commits by selling yeah. the the fake scandal uh paintings. Uh more because he like it feels like it's not honest work like going and fucking one of these uh, rich women would have been. Um, mm-hmm. So it was. It's an interesting sort of point of view, and you I also really loved what we saw. There's a lot of fathers in this book, yes. and, and mothers, um, mm-hmm. because we have, of course, Rachel and Liam, uh, their tension. We have the absent mother for uh, both Cruz and Ace, absent for different mm-hmm. reasons, and for uh, but they're both absent and gone. Uh, mm-hmm. But Eladio, being uh, Ace's mentor and Jared's mentor and uh, Gia's mentor, um, is really interesting of how they all had different relationship with him and how Ace doesn't feel he lived up to what Eladio wanted from him because he mm-hmm. couldn't be as cold and disconnected. He he just had to feel those feelings, uh, yeah. and yeah, that was so interesting to me. The the so I was suddenly like struck like how many <laughs> because we also we haven't talked about this we have the very big stuff with Maddox in this book. Um,
0: oh yeah. This is yep. This is where all of that first starts to because this is when unravel a bit. People
1: realize some people who had I didn't realize Maddox uh, is Maddox uh, Adrian Rios uh, the, the grandson of the prophet and um, mm-hmm. there's that sort of that ghost mother and the the ghost grandfather mm-hmm in that when he's trapped in the vault oh
0: god, that whole scene of him being in the darkness and having that basically like flashback hallucination like that's the first like Mad's st- everybody has tragedy in this world because this is a world that is going into chaos but like mad story and the the deep hooks and ripples and ways that mad's tragedy has like expanded throughout his life mm-hmm. we get even just like the smallest hint of it in this book when he's trapped in the cave-in but like it's such a powerful statement on, like you were saying, on parents, on mothers, on the relationship and the legacy and the power of relationships to mothers and fathers and
1: and it comes grandfathers back
0: grandfathers and
1: <laughs> and then we have then Lily who is introduced in this mm-hmm. book. She is Max Fleming's daughter, he, Max Fleming the the leader of five, and wife of the second in command of Logan Beckett. Logan Beckett, I something
0: think. Beckett. There you go, yeah. Um,
1: and she is viscerally remembering being fifteen. And being promised to Logan and how that's the first time he al- she also saw her father backhand her mother uh, right there on her birthday party. So there's like that whole like her mother stood up for her and pays for it immediately. Um, mm-hmm. And so then she has she goes to decides that the best way to survive this is going to be icy numbness. Um mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah. And her mom is the one that teaches her that. Mm -hmm. Her mom is the one who kind of basically shows her the the medicine cabinet. Here's
1: the the pharmaceuticals that you need to Mm -hmm. survive while married to one of these bastards. Um, Yeah. So, uh, lots of mothers and fathers in this book, I think more present than in any of the previous books.
0: And I just think it's because we get so many of the mothers and fathers that we get are either absent or are coming from like Eden or from, but we also get to see Amira and Hannah in this Mm -hmm. book. And we don't get as much of a flash, but obviously, like, Flash is somewhere. Mm-hmm. He's somewhere hanging around. But we get the hint of that family. And we get to see a little bit of how that could be different. Right. And how Because you already the O'Kane
1: sort of like, this is new for them. They've had, mm-hmm. They haven't had babies before. Some of them have experience with babies. Others do not. Uh, but that they're mm-hmm. creating something new. That they're going to parent yeah. these babies and parent as a community in a different way than Eden, the farms, and the sectors, than the base. Um,
0: And they're all really committed to that, which is the part because even the ones who are who don't know babies, or want babies, (laughs) are still yeah, or don't want babies and are not baby people, and we know plenty of not baby people Mm -hmm. can still look and realize and appreciate the kind of beauty in the symbol of like getting to start with this new generation and getting to really raise the first new generation in their community post. Mm All of this shit going to hell, basically. Yeah, and I mean,
1: I think there's also that thing with uh, Ace being from Sector Four. You know, he makes a point mm-hmm. that he, unlike all of you, I'm <laughs> from actually. Yeah, he's here. a townie. Yeah, Ace is, Ace is a townie. <laughs> uh, <from> two blocks <laughs> over. That's where I was. Um, <laughs> that's such a great moment because, yeah, up to now, most of the people are like, they are come from here, they're from there, uh, and how basically the O'Kanes are going to make a new life for Sector Four P- kids growing up in Sector Four. Are getting to know a different way of living than they did uh even to the point Mm -hmm. when there's that big street fight everybody's like oh the merchants still know how to move out of the way (laughs) but it's been long enough that they've been under dallas that this is this is unusual so that means that yeah he's had impact beyond the okanes into the community
0: Mm -hmm. you really start to yeah feel that legacy of the time of the way that this community is going to be different because it's starting to be long enough that routines and habits and and a new like roots are starting to like take form and how this new place is going to be which makes it even more interesting is the continued like dynamics between sector four and sector three that they're now kind of like trying to rebuild and also sector five that's now really pushing at their resources and their limits and really testing dallas Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. and what a cliffhanger how that book (sighs) ends um
0: Oh, man. You
1: got all the relationships set up, and now you're like, oh.
0: (laughs) Right? The relationship's fine. The relationship Mm -hmm. gets its nice little bow, but man, the whole rest of the world is just. This is the first one that that ends on what I would actually call, like, a cliffhanger. Like, all of the books set up a nice story to be continued, but this is the first one where you're like, oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah, like, I was, like, really glad I had the next one this time. So I could, like, not that I don't know what happens, but so I could immediately, like, go Mm -hmm. to the next one. Because it ends on that, like very intense moment yeah. but all right well then moving towards wrapping up did we have any like particularly favorite moments or parts or dialogues or anything well, like that for in this me book?
1: um i'm latina and i one of the things that attracted me to the beyond world is that there's diversity and people who have names like mine and who speak spanish mm. and it's and i had i thought that it was a beautiful scene when in, in sort of like the Aftermath of Maddox's breakdown, where you have Lorenzo Cruz, you know mm-hmm. we don't. Rachel always calls him Lorenzo. Um, uh, sort of talking about his sort of disconnect to his uh, racial background that he, mm-hmm. his mother was old from old Mexico from beyond the border kind of thing, and but he never learned Spanish. And then you have Ace who does know Spanish and has more of his latino background um and i felt that was really real because i think there's a lot Mm -hmm. of people who are in that depending on generations and the way you were raised have different connections to your name to the to your skin to um how people view you versus how you view yourself and Mm -hmm. that's what i i really respect what uh and donna have been doing um because sometimes it's really easy to erase all those differences and just say like oh, it's post apocalyptic world and they don't. Yeah. Um people have backgrounds, they have names, they have history and it plays into who they are.
0: I agree and I can as somebody who's not uh latina I can still really appreciate the the fact that even amongst a world that can seem so different to ours because of so many like technological reasons that that culture that wrestling with that culture and that people wrestling with the, the legacy of where they come from and how that interacts with who they are now and where they're going, like that's still always like that's a people thing. Mm-hmm. That's always mm-hmm. going to be a people thing. I also just think in that specific instance, it's an interesting kind of thought process to think about the fact that this world, like like Cruz doesn't say that his parents are from Mexico. They say he they're from
1: beyond the south border. of the old border yeah. or
0: beyond the old border, and like this is a world that doesn't have those same borders and delineations anymore because it's kind of fallen apart and what that does for the way that people identify themselves and and identify each other and just how that would make that happen I think is a very interesting kind of thought experiment Mm -hmm. Because it's not going anywhere like if anything else that's what it taught us is that that wrestle isn't going anywhere in people Mm -hmm. I really like the scene like my favorite is probably this book is so so much of this book is the struggle for ace that it's not like we don't get to see the struggle for the other two, but we spend a lot of time in Ace's head. So I think there's this really beautiful moment when they're kind of finally all laying their cards bare at the end where Cruz has to say to him, like, you don't think I've ever... Worried about not fitting in because you and her have known each other for a decade or however long. Mm-hmm. Like you don't think Rachel worries about not fitting in because that the she's the girl the okay. and we're battle buddies and like we're dudes. T- like so and it's not a huge scene. It's literally just those couple of lines. But it really blows open for Ace the idea that like he has not been thinking for like through what that like that he's not the only person feeling that. And so that little. Kind of nudge or reminder to stop and to, to have that empathetic thought process mm-hmm. for other people mm-hmm. was so important for him, but just also so good as a reader because you're like, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like maybe I didn't even think that that would be really complicated for everybody else involved, but like it's going to be really tricky for everyone. Right.
1: And I mean, and, and they they have dynamics that they have to figure out with in terms of who, how to communicate to each other about who knows certain things about like. Ace gets really mad at Cruz for Cruz not telling him what had happened in the, when, when uh, Rachel was first targeted. Mm-hmm. And that just sort of connects to, like, there's, they, they're going to have different roles and different relationships. And they need to realize that it's not easy. It's to have, they have to be intentional about talking mm-hmm. to those things. Yeah, it's beautiful.
0: But uh, yeah. So guys, we just really, really like this book. It's really great. <laughs> I'm very excited for the next one. But this one will probably always be a perennial fave. I was telling Anna before we started recording that like, as I'm adding these on Goodreads, it's like, every couple of years, the same, you know, rereading the same book, except for this one, which has been every year <laughs> since I started reading the series. So it's probably not going anywhere in its little special place in my heart. But it's was really, really fascinating to put it into the series in light of some of the other like themes and stuff that we've already pulled out of like the first several books. So then for the next episode, we'll go ahead and do book four and a half and book five, which is beyond solitude, uh, which is a short story about Mia and Ford. Mm -hmm. And then the tentpole book that we'll be doing is beyond addiction, which is the book about, um, tricks and Mm finn so Mm -hmm. join us in a couple of weeks when we hit the book four and a half and book five um until then where can they find us on the internet i
1: find us on beyond the sectors on wordpress and uh beyond sectors on twitter
0: perfect i'm on twitter at an outlaw life
1: and i'm on twitter as Koki.
0: and until next time friends take care of yourselves and take care of each other and we'll see you beyond the sectors
1: Bye 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 guys